Adley Rutschman hit a homer today. Perfect. What a day. Hit the pillar in Camden Yards. Delightful. I'm wearing my Adley shirt. Which, like, let's go O's, first of all. <laughs> They're doing so well. I know. I'm obsessed with the birdbath. So if you guys don't know, <laughs> there is now a section in Camden Yards, our lovely, lovely stadium, where there's a guy there with a water squirt gun and he squirts the fans. And now they're bringing like rubber duckies and inflatable things. Baltimore fans are the best. I'm we, just going to say it. Our games are very, very fun. So fun. And Camden Yards has been voted like one of the best stadiums, like baseball stadiums. Because it's new. We didn't used to play there. We played mm -hmm. at Memorial Stadium. And then when they built a new one, I... What I heard, I think I was watching it on like a 30 for 30, yeah. is that they, um, the what Camden Yards did became like the model for other new stadiums. Yeah. Like the way it's like in the city, it's like yep. a part of the warehouse district pretty much. Yeah. Well, and there had been like a trend of baseball parks becoming like really sleek and modern and like looking like spaceships. Yeah. <laughs> and, and this one, no. And they were like, we're going to go back to like classic brick. Mm -hmm. green seating ballparks yeah and it's the best so this is all to say i'm really trying to get into baseball this year right you're really doing it thank you You did really well with football this year too i feel like i did too you were on top of it i'm getting into the sports you're i is that that's what our listeners come here for honestly <laughs> for the sports welcome to sister sports um, <laughs> could you imagine <sighs> I can't. Uh, but no, we're not here to talk about sports, actually. No. We're here to talk about history. On the rocks! With Katie. And Allie. This is a podcast where we talk about famous women in history. We talk about good women and bad women and fictional women and non-fictional women from all times and places because women have nuance. But keep in mind, we are drinking the entire time. And we are not historians. <laughs> but tonight... We both are very well versed in, I think, both of these women. I think so. Yeah. We're doing a couple just like classics. Yeah. Classic blonde women. Ladies. And I think you could honestly just skip this episode. You might know all this info. <laughs> yeah, you might. I don't know. Psych. This is going to be so fun. It's a fun episode. Um, but you yourself are at the baseball stadium. Sure you are. You don't care about baseball, you know, so you're pretending that you're listening to the game, but you're not listening to the game. You're mm. listening to us. Sure. <laughs> sure. Um, but you don't want to pull up your phone and look up what these women look like because then the people behind you will know mm. that you're not actually watching the game. Yeah. It's embarrassing kind of. So embarrassing. So in order to help you out, we're going to describe what these women look like. <laughs> we're going to get a little physical, physical. Allie, who are you doing and what does she look like? I am doing the famous, the perfect Mrs. Tinkerbell. <laughs> Miss, I guess. Miss Tinkerbell. Um, she is a small, slender, pear-shaped pixie. She could fit in the palm of your hand. Traditionally, she has blonde hair pulled up into a bun on top of her head with a loose swoopy bang. <laughs> she has blue eyes and is typically in cartoons, portrayed as a white woman although most recently uh in the new peter pan and wendy there's a black actress who plays oh. her she usually wears a green strapless dress with a mini skirt uh kind of rough around the edges so there's no hem on the skirt mm -hmm. and she wears green flats with a little white poof ball <laughs> on them and she has uh transparent butterfly style wings on her back Love it. That's what Tinkerbell looks like. She's yeah. adorable. She's so cute yeah. and sassy. Yeah. And has been since day one. Like, oh, there yeah. were no upgrades to her. <laughs> this is just how she looks. So, tonight, I am doing 
Vanna White. Mm -hmm. Vanna is your classic blonde California bombshell. She is tall, toned, and tan with a square face and kind of a sharp jawline. She has almond-shaped brown eyes with like very thin arching eyebrows. She has a very wide, toothy smile and high cheekbones. She can typically be seen walking back and forth <laughs> against a green stage with white blocks that spell something out. And of course, she is always dressed to the nines in some kind of gorgeous gown or cocktail dress. Yeah. Her dresses are crazy. <laughs> I love it. Occasional pantsuits. Yeah. And that's, yeah, that's what she looks like. <laughs> I am so excited to learn about Vanna White. It's I, it's uncontrollable yeah. how much I want to know. <laughs> well, do you want to know what we're going to drink before we get into this? I do. Is it called Can I Buy a Val? <laughs> What's it called? It's called Give Me a V. Yay! V for Vanna. I love that. <laughs> I did think about calling it Can I Buy a Val. Mm. Um, so this is creme de violet. Gin, fresh lemon juice, grapefruit bitters, uh, coconut, cream cream of coconut, and then you shake it all together and garnish with a lemon slice and a flower. Yum. <laughs> it's yeah. so cute. Delicious. Mm. I feel like the grapefruit bitters make it like just like a little bitter. Yeah. Because it could be like kind of sickly sweet, but. Mm, yeah, the grapefruit like comes through. Mm-hmm. Really well. So what do you know about Vanna White? So Vanna White is an original, I think, member of the, I was going to say Price is Right, <laughs> of um, the Wheel of Fortune game show. She used to have to turn the blocks. Mm-hmm. I'm imagining she was a model before that, and that's how she got the job. Um, uh, she's working with Pat Sajak, and I definitely think they're both having affairs with one another. I'm pretty sure of it, actually. Um, and now now she just goes back and forth and does the touch screens, and she gets to talk at the end of the show. Mm-hmm. And you said she's from California, which I did not know until you said that. Well, she's not actually. Oh. But I just feel like she looks very California. She does look like a California And she's girl. from an, a beach town, but an East Coast Oh, interesting. Okay, yeah. So I don't literally, I've watched Prices Right, and that's it. You mean Wheel of Fortune? God, second time. (laughs) Wheel of Fortune, and that's it. Perfect. Well, Vanna's story, like, really kind of blew me away. Um, It's kind of hard to get information on, like, now. Like, I meant to put in that, like, she is now, like, kind of stepped in for Pat and, like, spoken more um mm-hmm. but i kind of forgot to put that in yeah um because i don't know when it started but it was recently because pat sajak had surgery right um but yeah i got most of this from a people magazine article there was a lifetime intimate portrait from 1998 <laughs> which let me tell you it was filled with the commercials from 1998 and what a flashback it was I love old commercials, and I mean, look, this is like before the millennium. Yeah. This is like good, good commercials where we didn't have a choice but to watch yeah. them. Nobody's have like has TiVo nope. at their house yet. Nope. Or you at least had, not the normies. You had to sit through it. And yeah. it was just like so nice getting to like watch commercials from my childhood again. Sure. So anyways, then there was a biography uh, video and a facts first video and, of course, Wikipedia. I need, like, a Vanna White Tells All, like, book. She wrote one. Oh, is it good? I didn't read it because uh-huh. it was from, like, 1997 or something. She, like, she, it, she has more to tell. It was 
so young in her life. She's like not even 30. She's like, here I am to tell you my story. It's a real Angela Davis of her yeah. to write a memoir at 27. I like literally didn't even include that she wrote it in my story. So I was <laughs> well, like, now we did. So Look at that. Now We're we here. Did. Okay. Vanna Marie Rossich was born on February 18th, 1957 in North Myrtle Beach, South Carolina on her father's 27th birthday. I just thought that was funny. <laughs> her mother was Joan Marie and her father was Miguel Angel Rossich. But even though they shared a birthday, Vanna would not even know he was her father until she was a teenager. What? Her parents divorced when she was an infant and her mother soon married a man named Herbert White Jr., who she just assumed was her father because she was the only, like he was the only man she ever knew in, in that role. Um, so Vanna eventually had a little brother named Chip, who Vanna was very close with, is very close with. Like they're very sweet. He was all over the um, biography video, and together the family just had this nice, lovely life in Myrtle Beach. Her mother Joan was outgoing and gregarious. Some even claimed she was the best dancer North Myrtle Beach had ever seen. Whoa. I don't know why I'm giving it a New Jersey accent. <laughs> I don't think the people in South Carolina sound like that. But <laughs> they do on the beach, I hear. But I do That's love the beach it. accent. <laughs> um, and I also love that like they had all this like kind of B-roll of like people dancing. But it was like all shot from like under the dance floor. So it was like all these upskirts of women. And I was like. <laughs> Okay, 1998, can we stop? Like, I they were don't... on a glass floor? Yeah, that's oh, what it looked like. Weird. But it's weird when it's, like, women in skirts. <laughs> I love I that. I really hate it. <laughs> Sounds like a treat. <laughs> uh, Joan had dreams of making it big in Hollywood, which she, of course, passed on to Vanna. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and one day, while Vanna was recovering from getting her appendix out, she was watching TV with her mom, and a television show came on named Rat Patrol. <laughs> And the star of the show was a man named Christopher George, who the family knew intimately as Uncle Chris because he was an old, old friend of Jones. They had grown up together and they had worked at a diner together and always talked about Hollywood. And here Uncle Chris was making it fucking happen. Like it's one of those things where you're like, oh my God, he did it. He did it. So he did it. Rat Patrol, Rat Patrol, their family friend has like really made it. He's yeah. on this show. And Vanna said once she like saw someone that she knew on TV, she was like, oh my God, like it's possible for like mm. a regular person to make their way onto TV, you know? Cause like, she's like, my mom talked about it, but mm -hmm. like, I didn't know that it was like a thing that I could really fucking pursue. Interesting. Yeah. So things are going well. She has a really solid home life. She has a dream. And then she is 12 years old and she discovers that Herb is not her real father, which was quite <laughs> a shock for her. And with that new information, she decides that she wants to meet her real dad. So Joan took her to New York city where he was living. She said it was a fine meeting, like he kind of looked like her, you know, she could see the resemblance, but she just didn't feel anything towards him. He was a total stranger to her. Yeah, he's just a person. Yeah, so they had this visit. She went back to her old life and was just kind of like, you know what? I'm really content with how things turned out, which is like a very mature way to look at yeah. this. And later on, she would say, he's a lovely guy. Like, we connected, like, later in life. He never asked me for any money. Like, he, like... She was like, he was very just normal guy that I guess just like didn't want to be a father. Yeah. Like, and bailed on his one year old. <laughs> <laughs> Got divorced, you know. Yeah. 
It happens. Uh, so Vanna was popular and a cheerleader, but she spent the rest of her high school years really with her eyes on the prize. That prize, of course, being show business. She did all sorts of pageants, including the annual North Myrtle Beach Sun Fun Festival. She was never crowned Miss Sun Fun, but she was having a really good time. Because that, honestly, is such a through line of her story. She just likes to be having a nice time. <laughs> good for her. Good for her. <laughs> Fuck She's you, like, Anna. I don't need to win. Uh, I just no. like, really like to have fun. <laughs> When she graduated high school, she went on to a fashion and modeling school in Savannah, Georgia. And in just six weeks, she was on her first assignment. It was a local TV commercial for a car. Uh, And then she worked in a lot of conventions as a cute booth girl, which she said (laughs) mainly consisted of wearing short shorts and tight shirts. (laughs) Then on Halloween 1976, Vanna met a man named Gordy Watson. He was a luxury car salesman who was 14 years older than her. Wow. Gordy Watson? Gordy Watson. She is 18. I don't trust him. No. Like, when the pictures came up, I was like, he is a literal, like, middle-aged car salesman. Oh, so he is skeezy. She's 17 and a model. No, she's 18. 18 and a model. 18 model dating a middle-aged car salesman. I don't like that. She talks really fondly of it, though. She was like, I was head over heels for him. You know, I was just so obsessed. Why? That's so weird. I got to look this guy up. What's his name? (laughs) Gordy Watson. Gordy Watson. (laughs) This is a tragedy. Okay. Uh, But after four years of being together, uh, their relationship wasn't really going anywhere. I don't know if like maybe he had already been down that road and was like, I'm not getting married again, which is like, okay, like that big swing and a miss for you, bud. Yeah, Um, honestly. (laughs) And neither was her career. I mean, she couldn't be a booth girl forever. Uh, So she said goodbye to Gordy and Atlanta and went off to California. She arrived in Los Angeles. That's so brave. I cannot. (laughs) She literally was talking about it. She was like, me and my friend, we just got in a U-Haul. It was a stick shift. She goes, my friend didn't know how to drive sticks, so I was moving around the stick for her, and I was telling her when to hit the gas and hit the clutch, and we made it. I was like, that sounds horrifying. No maps across the country. Across the country. Unfortunately, it's like 70 is like one straight line from yeah. here to there. Unbelievable, though. Um, so she arrives in Los Angeles on January 2nd, 1980. She is 22, optimistic, and of course, beautiful. One of her first stops, which may have been a little foreshadowing, was a classic game show, The Price is Right. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I felt it in my you bones. <laughs> I knew it was it. coming. Yes. She was a contestant. She appeared on an episode in June of 1980. She was one of the four, first four people called down. Did she guess a correct price? Nope. I, she never made it up on stage. I have <laughs> so much trauma from that. I like what if those first four people don't get up on stage throughout the whole show. That's terrible. Devastating. I feel so badly for them. They come their whole lives to do that. You want you want something fun, though? There's a comedian I follow who was on Prices Right when she first got to L.A. She won the, the showcase. showcase. She got this prize. She got to go on like a trip to Greece. And then I saw pictures of her trip to Greece. So if you're ever wondering, like, 
Do they ever get to go on these trips? Yes, they do. Yes. Do they get the jet skis? I need to know. <laughs> I need to know. Or do they just take the cash value? If I won jet skis, I would be so pissed. I want that dinette set. <laughs> Ashley furniture dinette yes. set. I don't want the jet skis. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, yeah. So, and you can still see clips of her on the show. Like they're online and like Price is Right had like their 30th anniversary <laughs> special and they showed the clip of Vanna. Oh my gosh. Also, RST LNE, what's the letter you pick? Ooh. The extra letter. Oh. Shit. RST LNE. M? M's a good one. I feel like M is a good one. M or N. Yeah. Wait, N is already in there. N's in there, yeah. (laughs) I I mean, I've never thought about what I'd pick. I like usually because they say. Or P. P is sometimes a good one because that's like a. That can really Mm -hmm. let you in on what the word is if there's a P in there. Are you allowed to pick another vowel? Do sometimes people pick A? I guess. I forgot. When they do that at the end, Uh do they put in the RST, LNE? Yes. And then you get to look at it and pick. No, you have to pick at. You have to pick a blind. See, no, I don't want to pick a blind. No. Um, Okay. Goes on the prices right, but that seemed to be the closest she got to a camera in LA. Oh. Vanna quickly realized that the modeling scene of Atlanta was a fucking puddle compared to the ocean that was LA. Little fish, big sea girl. Mm-hmm. Vanna said she would go on a hundred auditions before she landed one job. And she was out there every single day going to as many auditions as she possibly could. Mm. She was like, I was hitting that pavement and nothing was coming of it. She's like really working. Mm -hmm. And she admits that it was really fucking brutal. And she was just like sad and disappointed and depressed. And she said she gained about 25 pounds when she got out there because she was just... It really, uh, it knocked a lot of her confidence out of her because she was like, you come from being like, it, like you, we've talked about this all the time. People go to California. They're the prettiest girls from their hometown. But everyone in California is the prettiest girl from their hometown. Yeah, everyone. everyone. They're all transplants in the L.A. Yeah. So it's like she was like, I suddenly was like, oh, my gosh. Like, this is different than I thought it would be. <laughs> Poor Vanna. And then to make matters worse, Vanna got a call from Herb saying that her mother, Joan, was diagnosed with cancer and it was moving very quickly. Joan had actually known for a while that she was sick, but she made everyone in the family swear not to tell Vanna because she didn't want it to interfere with her life out in L.A. Vanna went home immediately to be with her mother, and she died shortly after at 44 years old with Vanna by her side. 44 years old. Mm -hmm. That is so young. That's devastating. So with her mother's spirit encouraging her, she went back to L.A. with a vengeance, absolutely determined that she was going to make it for the both of them. She got a couple of small roles as like a cheerleader and a high school student in various movies. So her, her career is starting to take a little bit more shape. Like she's got lines. She's got a character name. Oh, <laughs> she's in SAG now. Uh-huh. Also, where's, what, does she have a day job? Where is she getting money? She's a waitress. Oh, okay. you know, yeah. So she's just working restaurants she's like everybody else. She's Penny from Big else. Bang Theory. Mm-hmm. Got it. Exactly. 
but something else big happens around this time. She meets a man named John Gibson and she falls in love. John Gibson is described on Wikipedia as a <laughs> playgirl centerfold slash Chippendales dancer turned actor, which might be my favorite description ever of a man. So he is hot, hotty, hot. Wowza. <laughs> I know. I'm dead. Dead on the spot. I couldn't. How could you? How, how could, could you, you be with somebody that pretty unless you're so confident? I know. They met while she was still a struggling actress and he was still an exotic dancer. And they just fell in love and started a life together. What a reverse story. Having your husband be an exotic dancer. <laughs> I That's know. so fun. And John was eventually cast as a series regular on The Young and the Restless. <laughs> so then he becomes a soap opera actor. With and Kelly Ripa? Was she and on Young I and the Restless? So. Which one was she on? I don't know. <laughs> and the two get engaged. Hmm. So they're engaged. John's career is on the up and up. And then it's Vanna's turn. So in 1982 word around town was that the hostess of the price is right susan stafford was leaving the show so they started to look for a replacement vanna happened to be around the producers one day maybe while john was on his soap opera set and she just went up and asked for the job they said okay well give us a call <laughs> in a month when we start the process and you know what we'll bring you into audition 200 girls auditions and five made it to the final round and this is to be one of the models that shows the... No, this is not The Price is Right. My God, Allie. Did you say The Price is Right, though? <gasps> Allie, I did. We got it. <laughs> okay, I'm not this was my it. mistake. <laughs> yes. yes. Oh, my God. We both did it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm sorry, guys. Yes. <laughs> Word around town was that the hostess of the Wheel of Fortune, Susan Stafford, was leaving the show. So wait, she's not the original no. Wheel of Fortune lady? No, apparently Wheel of Fortune has been around since like the 50s. What? <laughs> Stop it. And I she's know. doing this in the 80s? Yeah. Okay. Vanna. Okay. I really thought that you were the one and only. Was there no. a man before Pat Sajak? Mm-hmm. Pat Sajak started in 1981. Stop it. No way. Who was the guy? <laughs> was, I don't know. It, was it Johnny Carson? <laughs> no. Of course not. Um, so yeah, so five girls make it to the final round. They had an interview and then an onstage, uh, screen test with, uh, Pat Sajak, who had only been hosting the show for about a year at this point. Mm. Um, so Pat said, frankly, I would not have chosen Vanna if it was up to me. He said she was beautiful and kind and really charismatic and charming, but she was so fucking nervous during her audition that Pat Sajak was like, I don't know if she can physically do this. And Vanna said, she goes, oh, I was scared to death. She was like, I couldn't stop my teeth from chattering. She was like, I was so scared. And she was like, and I'd worked so hard to get there. Have you ever shaken <laughs> that bad? Up. I have shaken that yes. bad. Or like my hands are like yes, bad. I have. Um, but Merv Griffin, the producer of the show, said, no. He goes, I like Vanna. She's so nice and She's a genuine person. She's likable because people will fall in love with her. And he was right. (laughs) (laughs) Vanna got the call that she was hired on November 25th, 1982, when she was 25 years old. Oh, my God. And now she's been doing it for 58 years. (laughs) Um, And on December 13th, 1982, she became the regular hostess of the Wheel of Fortune. The first letter she turned was a T. <laughs> That's fun 
doesn't know. I know. I don't know that. What was the salt? What was the prize? What I was don't the know. salt? They didn't include that in the. Was it a phrase? <laughs> <laughs> was it a crossword? Um, no, they never start with a crossword. Never. Um, that would be that would be chaotic. And America just loved her. Did she start wearing those crazy dresses? Yeah. Her first dress is like a really nice, simple, like purple one shoulder, like flowy dress. It's like that comes down. It's like a T-length dress. It's so cute and simple. Do you think she had to work on her posture? Or she had already no, done she that was a model, modeling. So okay, she, she was yeah, already she good at the, the runway deal. shit. Got it. Yeah. Um, because people loved her because one of the qualities she brought to the show was she became a cheerleader for the contestants. She understands like how hard they work to get on the show, and she just wants them to have a good time and go home with something. She, she says her favorite shows are when all three contestants win money. Oh, <laughs> yeah, same. <laughs> and, you know, Pat and Vanna just work really well together. And with the two of them at the helm of the show, it just became more and more popular. So Wheel of Fortune had been on since 1952. Shoo. But apparently... It wasn't the television staple that we know it as today. Vanna's stepfather, Herb, had never even heard of it. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? I mean, it's a show you start watching in the womb now. Yeah, I know. It's like, it's just so in the public domain. And there are noises from it that are just like in my head. Yep. Like I can hear the ticking of the spinning mm-hmm. thing. I can hear the when like the the new puzzle comes up like mm-hmm. it is ingrained in my there. brain <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly and there are things that like the next generation won't know certain noises like um a busy signal on a phone like mm-hmm. our kids don't know what that sounds like but my kids know the wheel of fortune sounds yeah it's crazy i just i love it yeah i don't love that they have to use those weird covers on the wheel now have you seen that yes i don't love that um, cause also it's like, they're all standing right next to each other. If they're going to pass <laughs> COVID to each other, it's not going to be. Lick your hand uh, and rub uh, it on the wheel. <laughs> rub the wheel. Okay. <laughs> so things are cruising along and you know, she's been on for a couple years now. People are starting to like her. The show is like slowly getting more ratings. It's getting more popular, but unfortunately tragedy was ahead. On May 17th, 1986, Vanna's fiancé, John, rented a small plane and flew it over the California mountains. It was supposed to be just a short, fun trip. I mean, him and he and Vanna were going to a wedding that evening. So while Vanna's home getting ready for the wedding, she sees a flash on the news. A small plane has crashed near Van Nuys Airport, and the man flying the plane had died. There was no information on the pilot, but Vanna said she knew immediately that it was John. It turns out that while he was trying to land, a military aircraft had turned on. There was some kind of high turbulence from it, and it just flipped his airplane, and it crashed, and he was incinerated. Horrible. So at 29 years old, Vanna has now lost the love of her life, her fiancé, the man she's going to marry. That is... So distressing. I know. I know. She's just a little baby. She tried to keep up the appearance that she was okay, but her friends said that when they saw her two weeks after the crash, she had lost about 15 pounds and she was not doing okay. 
But Vanna said she stayed strong and she got through it. And she really credits the Wheel of Fortune fans with helping her. She got, I mean, thousands of sympathy letters from fans that were like, I'm so sorry. Like, this happened to me. My partner died unexpectedly. And it was just such a shock. So I'm like here for you. And it just, it made her feel less alone. And like, that's always been her, her best feature is that the fans love her they feel connected to her Mm. and like and this was one moment where like instead of her kind of being there for them they were there for her and it's just it's absolutely beautiful well it's also like when you enter somebody's living room Mm -hmm. on a live show i mean it's not live but it's it's filmed earlier in the day but like you enter their living room every night it's on every day yeah like all the weekdays it's like going to work a lot of people at this time started having um tvs in their kitchens or in their like dining room so you're mm-hmm. doing it while you're doing family things like yeah. cooking or eating i watch it with the kids sometimes while we're yeah. eating it's the best yeah <sighs> so unfortunately this whole incident kind of really catapulted her into the public eye like she was already there but then this like really Like, people started to talk a lot about Vanna. And then it led to rumors going around that since she was was suddenly single, Mm. her and Pat must be an item. Uh, They are! Oh, no, they're not. (laughs) (laughs) This, of course, was not true. And they have been fighting these rumors ever since. (laughs) And they even poke fun at themselves sometimes. Like, they they did, like, a whole skit one time. It's just like, wow, we've been together for 15 years. (laughs) You know, and, like... (laughs) He's like, on the wheel? And she goes, sure. (laughs) (laughs) But the two are just really great friends. People who know them say they're more like brother and sister. It just, I don't know. They're work colleagues. Like, you know, you get really close with the people that you work with every day. Yeah. And it seemed like, so now she's getting even more press. And the whole country is swept up in what is later dubbed Vanna Mania. (laughs) (laughs) She is soon on the cover of various magazines, including People. There was a Vanna White Barbie doll made. She's on late night talk shows, which was all kind of rare for a girl who was just turning letters on a game show. I mean, the showcase girls from Price is Right never got this kind of press. No, I mean, she is literally just supposed to be a voiceless character. She is. And for some reason, it just kind of clicked with People. Um, but like the Pat Sajak rumors, sometimes more press isn't always good. In 1987, so one year after her husband tra- or her fiance tragically died in a plane crash, Playboy magazine found was sold old risque photos that Vanna had taken when she was a struggling model, and not only published them without her consent, but put them on the cover. So not even inside. Yeah. That's so fucked up. She had done a lingerie shoot to pay her rent years before. And she was like, you know, it was really embarrassing because like I was struggling and I could not pay my rent and I didn't want to ask my dad for money. And she was like, so it was either do this lingerie photo shoot or like ask my dad for money. And she was like, so I did the photo shoot. And but she was like, I never thought that anybody would see them again. But of course, Hugh Hefner has a history of doing things like this. And Vanna was devastated. She had built her career around being this wholesome, all-American girl, and she thought that she was going to lose her job over it. She was like, they are going to fire me because I'm not 
this perfect person that I'm mm. portraying, you know? But, and it's kind of funny because looking back, the picture they chose for the cover is not even that, like, cute or sexy. She's wearing, like, okay, picture, like, a men's, like, white short sleeve dress shirt and then, like, why would a I black, picture that? <laughs> a black long sleeve shirt under that. And then, like, just, like, her butt's out. And she's, like, sitting. It's, like, not cute. I don't even know why they chose this photo. I almost want you to, like, look it up so you can see it. Because it's, like, not even that cute. <laughs> but obviously for Vanna, it's still too much. She's, yeah, like, they invade They don't have privacy. the right to do that. No. Um, so she sued Playboy. But then Playboy fired back saying, no, no, Vanna knew all along that we had the photos. And... She was just mad because she wanted us to publish the photos when she was going to release her memoir. And so this was all like, it just didn't come out the way she wanted it to, but she knew we had them. It just like, it turned into a really ugly, ugly situation, mm. you know, of kind of, yeah, like, this is a weird photo. Isn't it weird? I don't love it. No, it's not a good photo. No. Um, so Vanna ended up dropping the lawsuit, but thankfully, obviously keeping her job and it all just kind of went away. And again, the fans were really behind her. They were like, we support you, you know, even though some people were being mean. Yeah, <laughs> of course. Then in 1988, she got another job, but rather than playing herself, she was playing Venus in a TV movie called Goddess of Love that had some pretty gnarly 80s CGI. Perfect. <laughs> yes. The movie follows Venus as she comes alive from a statue in the middle of modern day Los Angeles. <laughs> the movie had pretty dismal reviews, but excellent ratings because <laughs> everybody wanted to see Vanna. <laughs> But another show that had really excellent ratings was Wheel of Fortune. By this time, she had been on the show for a while, and 40 million people were watching every night. I am telling you. And to give you perspective, 8 million people a night watch it now. Okay. And, like, now it's, like, is, like, the age of, like, nobody watches regular TV. Network television anymore, Mm -hmm. you know? So even 8 million now is, like, pretty good every night. And I want to say, too. Their ratings back then were double MASH's ratings. And MASH was like the one of the, is like legendary as one of the most successful shows. Right. As of one of the time. most watched shows of all time. Yeah. That's double, double the ratings. 40 million a night. Again, because it's on every night. It becomes mm-hmm. part of your schedule. It's your routine. Oh, man. <sighs> so she's doing Venus of Love, whatever it was, Goddess of Love. <laughs> she's. <laughs> Going crazy on Wheel of Fortune. People love her. She starts her own shoe line. She becomes a spokeswoman for a mattress company, Spring Air Mattresses, who even start a charity in her name where they donate mattresses to homeless shelters. That's really (laughs) nice of them. I just, I love it. (laughs) So work is going well, but Vanna had still not gotten back out there on the dating scene. And her hairdresser of all people because i guess they spend like a lot of time together sure like like, every day "Mm -hmm," is really encouraging her to try again she was like i can't even think about dating but if i did i do kind of have a crush on this guy named george (laughs) santo pietro but like if i did if (laughs) if i I was thinking about (laughs) dating george santo pietro was a restaurateur in la and she was like but he has a girlfriend you know so i can't pursue him 
And then it turns out he didn't have a girlfriend and he was just as smitten with Vanna when he met her. So soon they started dating. And in 1990, they got married in Aspen, Colorado, after a week of being engaged. So they got engaged at the beginning of the trip and married at the end. (laughs) That is a wild plan. I guess she was like, I don't want to do the whole like long engagement again. Maybe it was too reminiscent of what had happened before. I think think she was just like, let's fucking do it. I'm ready. (laughs) A restaurant tour. That's serious. Mm -hmm. That means good food for the rest Mm -hmm. of your life. (laughs) No, to be clear, it was not a chef. That doesn't matter. You get to go to good restaurants really good food perks there's the perks exactly why else he can eat the food with you instead of being in the kitchen all night right you Mm. i mean and they have the worst work hours yeah people who work at restaurants i'm so so sorry that you're working all the time that i'm off yep i feel so bad for you (laughs) but that that's great i mean to go from a chippendale dancer to like somebody who can get you constant food delightful and really nice time the used car salesman that's a red flag yeah (laughs) yeah So two years later, in 1992, Vanna became pregnant, and she announced it in true Wheel of Fortune form with a puzzle that spelled out Vanna is pregnant. <laughs> like, the contestants are guessing this puzzle. It's so cute. That's adorable. The crowd went wild. Everyone was over the moon for Vanna and George. It was just so exciting. But the joy would not last because one week after the episode aired, she suffered a miscarriage. Oh. One week. It was absolutely devastating. She and George had been trying to have a kid for a while, and they thought that this was it. She was like, you know, she was talking in the documentary. She was like, all I wanted to do is become a mom. And she was like, I just couldn't fucking get pregnant. She was like, we tried for three years, and it just wasn't happening. But... A year after the miscarriage, Vanna would become pregnant again, and this time the country got to watch Vanna's bump grow as she walked back and forth across the stage. Still, well, at this point, she's probably touching letters. And in 1994, her son, Nicholas, a.k.a. Nico, was born. And three years later, in 1997, she had a daughter, Giovanna, a.k.a. Gigi. Both kids have made appearances on Wheel of Fortune over the years. And Gigi has even, like, been on recently, like, taking over for her mom. It's, like, so cute. I Okay, so, like, what happens if she's, like, out sick or something? What happens? Who stands in? Is there another model? Do they have, like, celebrity guest clickers? Like, that's a good question. Do they actually just turn the letters on because they can do that? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I should have looked that up because she's only missed 10 episodes. Okay. So then there's not like 10 episodes. Wait, what about maternity leave? Well, so the way they film wheel of fortune is they just film a ton in like a couple months. They put them in the bank and then they literally shoot multiple episodes a day. (laughs) What does she make? A lot of, Oh yeah. She's worth, I think 65 million dollars amazing because she is also like a real estate mogul okay like she loves buying houses flipping sure. them selling them sure she does of so, course she does so does everybody that's worth 68 yeah. million dollars <laughs> exactly. they love that property money but yeah but she makes a lot of money per episode <laughs> <laughs> i bet um so Unfortunately, she and George divorced in 2002 but vanna said they remain great friends and great parents to their kids Then she dated a California businessman for a few years, and they got engaged but never married. And then in 2016, she met contractor John Donaldson. Just 
a guy who owns a construction company and the two fell in love and they've been together ever since she doesn't really have a type huh nope (laughs) it is literally all over the place (laughs) and other than love and letter turning (laughs) what do you do as a construction man when you meet vanna white i guess if you're in la you see a lot of famous people yeah because they said like he's built houses for a couple famous people so he's like a foreman he's used to the limelight (laughs) um But we don't really know a ton about him, but I think that Vanna likes that. Like, they just have this, like, really lovely, quiet life. Like, she was like, I just like coming home and having dinner with my husband and having a glass of wine on the back porch. I mean, same. Yeah. I like, don't, who doesn't not who like doesn't that? Who doesn't love that? Was, <laughs> duh. Um, and that's, like, really all we, like, that's kind of, like, up to date. Like, that's pretty much all we know is, like, now she's with John. She has yeah. her kids. Like, they're really cute. Um, Vanna is also a well-known knitter and crocheter. She has published a knitting book and has her own line of yarn. (laughs) Good. Good. I mean, what else? She's also a part-time singer and she put out an album of Christmas songs in the 90s. Is it good? (laughs) I don't know. Uh, Listen to it. I've never heard her sing. She got a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame in 2006. And on May 24th, 2013, Wheel of Fortune, on Wheel of Fortune, she was presented with a Guinness World Records certificate for the most frequent clapper on television. Stop. That's so stupid. As of January 31st, 2013, she had clapped an estimated 3,480,864 times across the show's 30 seasons. Who counted that? Who did that? Averaging about 606 claps per show. Well, she does do a lot she of clapping. She does do a lot of clapping. She's a cheerleader for the contestants. Yeah. But I think what Vanna is best known for, other than her clapping, is her dresses. Vanna has been on the show now for 40 years. She's never worn the same dress, right? Once. Only once? In 2020. So we'll blame it on the pandemic. Isn't that crazy? So she changes in between mm-hmm. filming the mm-hmm. episodes. Yep wow why'd you wear the same dress in 2020 i don't know i couldn't find any information on it but i'm guessing it was because of the pandemic i think everything was just like shut down and crazy and they had to film another episode and they didn't have another dress or maybe like the one she had like didn't fit right or the zipper broke maybe i don't know but that means that in over seven thousand episodes she has worn over seven thousand outfits mainly dresses <laughs> designers send her dresses and her costumer kathy nishimoto picks out which ones she is going to wear on the show vanna does help with picking them out but she isn't too good at helping kathy <laughs> kathy once said the biggest challenge was to just get her to be vocal about dresses she doesn't like <laughs> she's goes she's too nice and she doesn't want to say no to anybody <laughs> <laughs> But the one thing that she has learned to say no to is strapless dresses. She said, I am lifting my arms and moving around way too much for all of that. Take them up all the Mm -hmm. time. Isn't that funny, though? No strapless dresses. But Vanna wears all sorts of fun outfits, mostly dresses, which can range from floor length, like beaded, sparkly ball gowns to like cute cocktail dresses and pantsuits. But according to Vanna, her favorite dresses are the ones that are the most comfortable. And she does prefer the cocktail dresses because she likes having her legs out. (laughs) You got good legs. Leave them out. Mm -hmm. Another fun fact. The shoes are her own. Isn't that wild? 
That is. I know. It's like, it's something I didn't even think about. So but it even, would, I mean, she has to stand the whole show. Exactly. So, like, so she you has be to be comfortable. Yeah. Um, so although she has to give every dress back, she can safely use her shoes again. And if you want to see pictures of every single dress Vanna has worn, they are all on the Wheel of Fortune website. <laughs> You can still catch Vanna and Pat in all their glory weeknights at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, but the pair have been hinting at retirement. There are no official plans yet, but after 40 seasons together, it's safe to say that when they go, the time will be right. They will have deserved it, and they will do it together. They need to retire. (laughs) They They really do. Millions of Americans will be sad to see them go. I think that Vanna has been a constant during some really difficult times in the U.S. And sometimes it's just nice to see a smiling face clapping and cheering you on. She is currently 66 years old and living her best life. (laughs) I love her. That is so fun. And so much tragedy in her story that, like, I did not expect. (laughs) Like, I just... She's just very a very genuine person, and she's one of those people that, like, she got far by being nice, mm. which not a lot Doesn't of happen people often. do. <laughs> yeah, no. The nice guy finishes last. Exactly. So, yeah. So, that's, that's Vanna. That was so <laughs> nice. It was so, that was a good story. I'm glad that we did that. I've learned a lot about her. Yeah. All right. Let's get more drinks. Let's we'll be right back. Let's do it. <laughs> So straight up done with the triple sec and with the uh, sour apple pucker. <laughs> Look at us. Both of them in one <laughs> cocktail. Um, I also will say our patron members the last two weeks, I haven't put up the patron recordings. They are coming. But for some reason at school where I usually post things, uh-huh. I can't log on to Patreon anymore. Huh. So I keep forgetting when I get home. That's weird. But then you're going to have like three bonus things in yeah. one week. So it'll be really, <laughs> really great. So sorry about that. But they are coming and they are recorded. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know what's going on. But this hmm. drink, though. This drink is so cute. Uh, what is in it? I <laughs> love it. Okay, so first of all, it's called Pixie Dust. And it is, uh, you rim a martini glass with granulated sugar. And then you have three ounces of vodka. I did like two to two and a half because mm-hmm. I was like, I don't need to be that strong. <laughs> because there's also sour apple liqueur, mm-hmm. melon liqueur, which are both green. Because mm-hmm. um, some melon liqueur can be pink so Uh like i didn't get that and then triple sec and then on the edge you cut like the end off of a lime so it looks like her little bun i love it so stupid and cute cheers Hmm. it tastes like a sour apple martini an apple teeny yeah it absolutely does Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's why i tried to add the melon too i was like maybe it'll change something it doesn't Mm-mm. There's some like cinnamon, cinnamony stuff in there. Cinnamony. Hmm. Yeah, it's fine. It looks cute. <laughs> it does look cute. It looks cuter than it tastes. Yeah. Mm. All right. <laughs> what do you know about Tinkerbell? Okay, I know she's a fairy. Mm-hmm. I know that she is Peter Pan's right hand woman. Yeah. I know that she's jealous. I know that 
<laughs> she was modeled after Madonna, or not Madonna, Marilyn Monroe, supposedly. I know that, well, specifically in that movie where she's trying to get through the porthole. Uh-huh, and her, her booties and her wide. Butt, her butt stuck. Um, and yeah, I know that she's started in Peter Pan. She used to be just like a flicker of light. And then they actually gave her like a full blown character and it's just taken off. People love her. They love her. <laughs> and like a kind of weird way at this yeah. point um and now she's like branched off in her own like tv show Pixie yeah. hollow i think yeah. it is mm-hmm. and that's pretty much it so i don't really know too much else about what's going on in Pixie hollow yeah tinkerbell's a really interesting character i got a lot of this information from disney fandoms i watched a youtube video from this channel called distory so kind of like we do herstory they do it but also with disney distory um they i've done an extensive rewatch. Uh, not rewatch this time, but I have rewatched them over and over again. All the Tinkerbell movies with my kids. Mm-hmm. That's the Tinkerbell they were kind of born with. Yeah. Um, the new Tinkerbell. Of course, I've seen Peter Pan and Return to Neverland and the new Peter Pan and Wendy that just came out a couple weeks ago free on Disney+. Plus. How is that? It's really cute. Yeah. They really did a nice job incorporating Tiger Lily without it being racist. Oh, I thought that like they didn't just like eliminate her character to like make That's it nice. better. Yeah. Um, and they the first like 20 minutes, 10, 20 minutes is exactly like the cartoon and then they change it up and i wendy's the main character which is interesting Mm -hmm. yeah okay so tinkerbell often called tink by her close friends and miss bell by her pirate enemies she was originally in the bus me calling her miss bell oh jim gaffigan is smee in the new peter pan and wendy okay i love that um i just pardon me miss bell i know it's so cute it's so cute Unbelievable. <laughs> Sorry. I just, I'm just picturing Smee when he's like totally wasted. Yeah. And like they're like talking about like Tinkerbell's hardships and he goes, ah! <laughs> he's so sad about it. She's in the little lantern that they have as her prison. Maybe I should be Smee for Halloween. That's this a year. really good one. <laughs> he wears like a belly shirt though. So you got to be like really confident. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to have to work hard to get that belly shirt. Get those abs going. <laughs> So she was originally in the play that was written, the draft of the play. Her name was Tippy Toe. But before the play ever goes on stage, that is changed in all the drafts, Um, which I think is good because Tinkerbell is way cuter. Hold on. So before it was a book, it was a play? Yeah, it was written as a play. So we'll kind of get there. Oh, okay. It is a book. There. That Peter Pan's like a side character, but the original Peter Pan was a play. So she's off definitely one of the most recognizable Disney characters today. Tinkerbell has been well loved since the inception of Peter Pan in 1904. And she has been inked on bodies over a (laughs) hundred thousand times. So Tinkerbell tattoos can be really good and really terrible. What you've got to really find an artist that knows what they're doing. Yeah. I feel like, Tinkerbell tattoos that were really popular around the same time, like Betty Boop tattoos. Oh, were. yes. Yeah. People think that I think that Gen they're kind X. of lumped into the same category. Right. They're like, like kind of sassy bra. Little sassy girl in a short <laughs> dress. Exactly. Okay. So before uh, 
But long before our girl was blonde in a green mini dress with an attitude, she was just a speck of light. Just flitting around the stage. <laughs> in the original novel by J.M. Barry, The Little White Bird, that came out in 1902. And... Peter debuts in the novel, but he's just like a little infant. And although he's only an important character in a couple of chapters, people fell in love with Peter. I did not know that he was a spinoff character. I didn't know that either. And I also thought Peter Pan was a novel first. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah. I thought I knew a lot about Peter Pan and I'm being blown away immediately. Yeah, I. this is something that I was like, where did Tinkerbell come <laughs> this from? This not in the Disney extras on my VHS I tape. I did not <laughs> remember this from my gold collection. <laughs> like, I had a platinum collection. Don't let me fool you. <laughs> it was real. I have stickers on the boxes with my name. Okay. I got them in the mail. Okay. I'm, I'm you better stop. believe. <laughs> You've got to know. And I lent one out to somebody at some point, and they didn't give it back, no. and I'm still pissed about it my patrons like give me their name <laughs> it's my, it's my best down. friend it's at her house <laughs> like i could just go get it back it's not a big deal <laughs> okay all right so this um the, because peter becomes this spin-off character he's like let me write a real quick play called peter pan or the boy who wouldn't grow up and Tinkerbell is introduced here in her earliest incarnation. She is originally described in the play as a, quote, common fairy who mends pots and kettles like an actual tinkerer. She tinkers. Mm-hmm. That's, oh, that's cute. It's the fairy oh, my God. She's a little She's tinker. A, tinker a tinkerbell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, her speech consists of sounds like tinkling bells, unless you're familiar with the language of the fairies, in which case you can understand what she's saying, like Peter can. That makes a lot of sense now as to why when she does make her gestures, it's like, beep, 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 beep. Like, that makes a lot of sense. She's so frustrating. She's a <laughs> pantomime character. She is portrayed as sometimes ill-tempered and jealous and vindictive and inquisitive, uh, but also very extremely helpful and loyal to Peter. She's his sidekick. You know, Disney princesses always get their little animals. Peter got his fairy. Her extreme personalities, though, is a part of the play. That's not something that Disney wove in. Like, this is written into I love that. Like, her OG character. Yeah, and the way that J.M. Barry describes it is her extreme personality is explained by her size. She's so small, she can only hold one emotion at a time. So when she's (laughs) angry, (laughs) she's fully angry. And when she's jealous, she's entirely jealous. Isn't I, that sweet? I love that. <laughs> I, like I it feel too. that way. I, I can only hold one little because bit. Because I'm so small. <laughs> <laughs> I can only hold a little tiny bit. And so I tell Casey to tell me sometimes, like, tell me I'm the littlest person you've ever seen. <laughs> Do you want to be petite? Is that something you want? Yes. Desperately? Desperately. <laughs> I w- That's funny. Nothing is... Nothing traumatized me more as a child than always being put in the back of the class photos with the boys because I was tall. (laughs) All right. Sorry. I know this is many side tangents, but someone was talking recently about Michelle Obama's memoir and they were like, the thing that I connected with her on was being a tall girl Mm. because Michelle Obama was like, everyone around me was black. Like I did not feel different because I was black. She goes, I felt different because I was tall and muscular. Yeah. (laughs) She's like, 
that's what made me feel different. And like, I was like, I so connect with that. Aww. Like, you know? so yes, I make Casey tell me I'm the tiniest person he's oh, ever seen in his life. That's sweet. <laughs> I have never felt tall or short because I'm like exactly, almost exactly average. I'm five four and average is five five. Yeah. So I'm just like a normal height. Yeah. But now my kids are looking at me straight in the eye and I'm like, ah, <laughs> I need to grow a little. Damn. Put some heels on Allie. Okay. Tink does not wear heels. She no. wears flats. She's a girl mm-hmm. of comfort. Okay. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. <laughs> so on stage during this production, she is a speck of light that darts around the stage. And the way that they did this is they had a mirror that was held off stage and it would be moved around reflecting this circle of light from a oh. powerful lamp. And her voice while she was on stage, like the orchestra playing, was um, two special bells that Barry had brought from Switzerland. <gasps> and they would like jingle and then Peter would translate. I love that. On the playbill, Tinker Bell was listed as being played by Jane or Jenny Wren. This was a joke, of course, because no one could play a tiny fairy speck of light, <laughs> but it fooled a tax inspector one time when they called looking for Jane Wren demanding for her to pay her taxes. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Why? I love that. I love it, too. It kind of feels like like if like a telemarketer would call it and be like, hi, I'd like to speak to Jane or Jen Wren. And they're like, they don't, don't exist. exist that's not a real person yeah <laughs> how, why would they think i don't it's crazy i love it how'd she even get somebody must have stolen her identity like, at oh, some point you've never seen the play i see you don't get the joke <laughs> fairy dust also was never mentioned in the original play but really? was added to the script later disney called it pixie dust but fairy dust is added to the script later because it was necessary Children kept thinking happy thoughts and jumping from their beds and like breaking arms. So they had to add the fairy dust element to be like, oh, something I forgot, like something extra. (laughs) There has to be some dust also. Oh my gosh. Think a happy little thought. (laughs) Oh, it's something else. Wait, don't just be happy. Don't. Oh, my gosh. Otherwise, Vanna White would be flying. She would be (laughs) soaring through the air. All I want is a back porch and a glass of wine. She is Spirit Airlines incarnate. (laughs) Exactly. Okay, so we've got the dust out of the way. The kids are out of the hospital. Everybody's good. (laughs) My gosh. They can't go to Neverland with a cast. Peter would never. (laughs) Maybe they have cholera, but they do not have broken arms. (laughs) In the musical version of this play, She's also a light, but the play increased her personality. The musical increases her personality and spunk a little bit, oh. which is honestly why I think most people love Tinkerbell is that she isn't a perfect person. Mm-hmm. For a lot of girls, it's hard to relate to like the Disney princess because they're just always heroine or always brave or always kind. And Tinkerbell's not like that. She's not. That's why I always liked her. It's like, yeah, sometimes I'm really fucking jealous and mad. Yeah. <laughs> and it's okay. And I wish I'm glad I don't turn my entire body red when I'm angry because mm-hmm. I would be red most of the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I just I also it's hard because like I think the way Tinkerbell does where if like if I get mad, I'm like, great. All my relationships are ruined. Everything's over. <laughs> I'm banished. I'm going to the pirates. <laughs> That's it. And banish Tink. Um, <laughs> I love that hook. 
calls her Tink, too. Like, <laughs> every. Because <laughs> you know they're all friends. This is just like a game they're playing, they just right? Sounds me. Um, <laughs> yes. Totally a game. <laughs> so, the thing about the musical that made it funny is that her favorite insult in the musical was, you silly ass, but she <laughs> couldn't talk. So, the audience gets this like four notes followed by the growl from a bassoon and if you hear these four notes followed by the bassoon that's tinkerbell being like you silly ass <laughs> apparently that's i don't know so why she says that tink come I on i also didn't know that it went from play to musical yeah that's really interesting i didn't either i thought these were all books i mean they're books now obviously and there's yeah. a there's a peter pan book and a peter pan sequel book but mm-hmm. who cares the musical stuff's more fun <laughs> but obviously after there's there's movies that start coming out the play peter's usually played by a girl she's a speck of light but then a movie comes out in 1924 peter pan and the first ever human person is playing tinkerbell it's virginia brown fair and she was a silent film actress because they needed the big mm-hmm. facial emotion and like the pantomime type attitude mm-hmm. But of course, the most popular movie version of the play came out in 1953 when Disney created their animated version of Peter Pan. She doesn't speak just like in the original play, but her words are verbally translated by Peter for the sake of the audience, which a couple things here. One, Peter's bilingual. I like that for him. <laughs> I I never thought about that before. He's translating it. <laughs> but then also like, he mistranslates it sometimes on purpose, mm-hmm. like for Wendy, and that's super frustrating. It's he's, he's like, a bit of a gaslighter. <laughs> I, Peter's the worst. I think we've been he's, over this on the podcast, but he's, he's terrible. He's terrible, terrible. <laughs> um, Captain Hook is really just trying to free those children and get them home. <laughs> get on my boat. Let me take you home <laughs> to your mom and dad, so you can grow old. I'll also give you a tattoo. <laughs> um. That says "mom" and like the flag waves when you move your muscles. Um, but also when my children saw the original Peter Pan, they were like, Tinkerbell doesn't talk. Like they didn't have that in their brain because of the Tinkerbell they know. They had no, they were like no realm of that. So so I think it is weird because Tinkerbell is a totally different character to them. But also, but that's the beauty of Tinkerbell is when I was a kid, I never thought about the fact that she didn't talk because she's so expressive. Uh Uh-huh. She so is speaking. I like never thought about the fact that she doesn't say any yeah. words. If you had asked me before I had kids and had seen it over and over again, I probably would have said, yeah, she talks. I don't think I would have. No. Yeah. Noticed. Yeah. Okay. Um, there is a myth that Tinkerbell was originally modeled after Marilyn oh. Monroe. I'm so glad I said that. Though. I am too. But the timeline doesn't quite add up oh. because this movie came out in 1953 and Marilyn Monroe hit peak fame in like the oh. 60s. So it wasn't modeled after her, but there are people that Tinkerbell is modeled after. So Mark Davis was her animator. He was one of the nine old men who mm-hmm. we all know about. Mm-hmm. Um, and he referenced first actress Margaret Carey. Davis's first model, though, was a 19-year-old girl named Ginny Mack, who had previously been who he used, or she'd been used in Disney for, like, promotional materials uh, in the, like, art department. But for the body, he was using, and she's 19, so that's why her face is kind of similar to, mm -hmm. yeah. 
Um, but then he uses Catherine Beaumont for the body, or he starts to, and that's the girl he used for Alice. Well, that's so interesting because that's who voices Alice and Wendy. Yes. But then he was like, okay, I was going to use Catherine, but again, she's young. The kind of young and also looks like a girl. Yeah. He was like, no. So he finds the woman who just won the award in 1949 for World's Most Beautiful Legs named Margaret Carey because he wanted to make Tinkerbell look more adult and sexy and shapely and he uses her and she was also a dancer so like she's doing these things on the stage and she's very expressive with her body and knows how to move and bend and whatever because Tinkerbell doesn't talk at all Disney could really promote her and they love her. And Disney had gotten recently very famous for their pantomime characters. People love Pluto. People love Dopey. People love Dumbo. And they don't speak. None of them speak. And they're very famous characters. I never thought about that. But like, yeah, the most beloved characters never talk. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Maybe we like them more when they're not saying the wrong thing all the time. Like Peter, when he's like, girls, you talk too much. You talk too much. I'm also just imagining Tink when she gets slammed into that drawer and she turns totally red with a thimble on her head. Yeah, but (laughs) I love that. And then she can't get out because of her waist and she's checking her waist in the mirror. I think all that stuff is so cute and it should absolutely stay in the movie. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Yes. It's great artistry. It is. She's so beautiful and perfect. Just the scissors the drawer I, I was know. like that is a feat of engineering that she just <laughs> she's did a, there she's a tinkerer that's why <laughs> she does stuff like that so in the peter pan story obviously no in the era of girls supporting girls it's kind of hard to get behind her behavior towards wendy the wendy bird um because the way she acts towards other female characters but the current voice of Tinkerbell, the one who does it in all the shows and movies, said, Tinkerbell was never in love with Peter Pan. She was sort of a groupie. Peter would go on his adventures and she would get to go with him. And what she was really worried about was that Wendy would maybe take her place on all those adventures and she wouldn't get to go anymore. And that's what she was jealous of. Oh, I love that idea. Yeah, I like thinking of it like that because Peter does kind of treat her like a just whatever, whatever. You know, he's not thinking ahead like, oh, Tink's been with me through all this stuff. Like maybe she should still get to go. So she's just scared of losing sidekick status, which I like so much more than like Julia Roberts kissing. Um, what's his face? Why can't I think of his name? In Hook, the most famous man of all time, Mrs. Doubtfire, the G. Robin Williams. Robin Williams. <laughs> Julia Roberts was in Hook. She's Tinkerbell in Hook. What? Yeah. All right. Next movie night, Case and I are watching that movie. <laughs> it's so Rufio. <laughs> I love Hook. And then Maggie Smith, so funny. They had to put age makeup on her to age her up to play that character, but now she looks like that. And she um, had also I love that Glenn Close is just like a random background person just because she wanted to be in the movie. Yeah, how could you not want to be in that movie? I would love to be in that movie. And then Maggie Smith as the grandma or Wendy now aged up is wearing these crazy chandelier earrings that are like not in anymore. <laughs> Remember what chandelier earrings were in? Of course. <laughs> and it's like all people wore and they're crazy. Like, why did they put that on that woman? 
<laughs> oh my gosh, that's what everyone was wearing in the '90s commercials I was watching this week. Oh my god, Claris just was booming with them, <laughs> like all of the walls. Let me pierce your ears with this disgusting gun that's been used <laughs> on twenty ears today. Right, and then you can put this junk in it. <laughs> Like, it looks like the stuff that they would hang off of that tree in Harriet the Spy, that weird. (laughs) Oh, she had so much shit hanging from her trees. Regular Boo Radley over here. (laughs) Yes, Harriet the Spy's Boo Radley. (laughs) You heard it here first, folks. And that VHS tape was orange because it was a Nickelodeon (laughs) film. A Nickelodeon original feature. (laughs) Perfect. Not Disney. So we can cut that whole section. Woo. Okay. Um, here we go. They're codependent is what I'm getting at. Dick and Peter are, are so codependent. Well, because also, I'm sorry, it's a lot of hubris coming from him to think that he could survive one day without Tank. <laughs> he can't. Come he can't. on. You know you're fucking jacked up on that pixie dust. I don't even want to fucking hear <laughs> He's it. so drunk. Or, or high. And can you imagine, though, like... Maybe he tells Wendy she talks too much because Tink doesn't talk. <gasps> and that's his best friend. That's it. Allie, you just put a key in my brain. <laughs> I've cracked I the code. I never thought about that. Mm. That Tink is the only girl he's ever known. And, or except for Tiger Lily. And the mermaids. But and they the, also oh, oh, the, merma- talk. the mermaids talk a lot. But, but also not- they like him telling her their, them stories. Yeah. They're like, tell us a story, mm. Peter. I hated the mermaids when I was a kid. Oh, my God. Who didn't? I they're I the mermaids to... from Fantasia, clearly. Same women. You told me that, yeah? Well, they're the uh, the centauresses. Oh, yeah. I wanted to be them, but I hated them. Yeah. I never had strong emotions towards those mermaids. Really? Yeah. I just, I mean, I didn't like them. I was like, this is kind of weird. Why are they treating Wendy like that? But I didn't have strong emotions about it. Mm. Okay. <laughs> Over the next few years, Tinkerbell grows in significance, though, because remember, this movie comes out in the 50s. Mm-hmm. Um, she becomes more of a spokesperson. Tink is actually one of the most important branding icons for Disney next to Mickey Mouse and Jiminy Cricket. And honestly, they've stopped using Jiminy Cricket because Pinocchio is a really bad movie. Ooh, it's not it's fun dark. to watch. No. It's dark. It's not fun to watch. But Peter Pan is fun to watch. So... The way that most of us are introduced to Tinkerbell is at the beginning of every single Disney movie, she flies over the castle, and it is her magic that is the magic of Disney. Like, her dropping her pixie dust is how they explain away the fact that Disney has magic. So really, she's in charge of it all. (laughs) She's been featured on television commercials. I hope one of the ones you watched (laughs) On prices, right? Can you believe it? It wasn't. I can't believe it. It was too late in the evening. I did not see one image of those two little girls sitting on their suitcases to try and get it close. (laughs) To get to Disney? You remember that commercial? Yes, I do. I do. That's a grand one. Um, She's shown, like I said, in the opening credits of every single one. Um, The first time they introduced Disneyland when it was a new park, she was the, like, intro screen to that when they opened up Disneyland she has served as the host on many different TV shows but most importantly at the end of Who Framed Roger Rabbit when they were doing a farewell screen this was Warner Brothers and Disney kind of working together with all of their characters and the typical Warner Brothers farewell screen is Porky Porky Pig being like that's all folks Mm -hmm. so Disney had to make a choice of who to say goodbye. And they did not choose Mickey Mouse. 
they had Tinkerbell fly through and with a wand, even though she doesn't have a wand, hmm. they had her fly through and ding, you know, Tinkerbell was who they chose. I love that. For Who Framed Roger Rabbit. I really like that too because Mickey's in it at the end, yeah. like when they're all driving through Toontown, but she was the one who got to say farewell. And obviously she also introduces rides in Disney World, but when they were opening a new mountain ride in Disney World, they find an Eastern European acrobat, and they put her in Tink's outfit, and they strap some glow sticks to her, and they wire a wire up over top of the mountain, and they fling this woman over the mountain, and she's like 70 years old or something. I'm not kidding you. <laughs> And she falls into a mattress on the other side. And she did this gig for like 10 years until she retired, like in her 80s. I was watching YouTube videos of this woman being full. So she puts on the tank outfit and then puts on like a trench coat to walk across <laughs> Disney. <laughs> this is Disneyland, not Disney World, I think. And she's walking across. She gets there, takes the trench coat off. And then, like, climbs up this, like, insanely high ladder to get strapped in oh, and thrown my over. my gosh. I'm just imagining while she's walking through, it's like that, don't be suspicious. Don't <laughs> no. be suspicious. Yeah. She's <laughs> being wild. And meanwhile, she's in green ballet flats with a white poop. And everybody's like, I know who I that know who is. you are. Silly girl. <laughs> in 2002, Disney created the Peter Pan sequel, which is a treat. Return to Neverland. Yes. It's so good. So good. But after her being... haircut is wild. I know. Not Tanks. No. Uh, Little Wendy. Yeah, what is Jane? Jane. Jane. <laughs> after being a spokesperson for so long, it felt really weird for Tinkerbell to be a side character again. So she wasn't. She's a pretty big plot point. The movie is several decades after the previous film. It has a grown-up Wendy in it. Um, and her two ch And also, I didn't go through the plot of the original Peter Pan because we all fucking know what happened. We know what, we happens. Know what happened. We don't need yeah. to know. She, like, gets mad and kind of, like, turns on Peter but then feels sorry about it. It's fine. Everybody makes mistakes. So... Um, a grown-up Wendy uh, has her two kids in England during World War II, and it's a dark, it's like a dark film. It's very dark. It's like, like having the London Blitz, like in the yeah. middle of the night. It's terrifying. And her daughter Jane, who had to grow up in that, doesn't have the same sense of magic that Wendy had. Yeah. So um, she goes to Neverland, but it's like the opposite experience, where she's kind of with Captain Hook instead of with Peter. But Tink's plot point is important, and it comes from the original play. <laughs> That if you don't believe in fairies, they will die. I didn't realize that was from the original book. Play, yeah, because you got to clap, clap to, right, to bring her back. Yeah, and in the um, there's a live act. There's like a a vid like VHS of the play version that I also watched a lot when I was a kid, and they do have that scene where you have to like clap to bring clap her, her back, back to, to life, life. And I love that. And that's in Hook too. Mm -hmm. But this is part of like. The world of fairies now is that like not believing in them yeah. is like and Tinkerbell is that the source of that myth and I, I really love like Santa that. Claus yes yeah <laughs> or the tooth fairy you know, yeah you gotta believe in her mm -hmm. to get her to get your tooth <laughs> which is so weird she's a tooth fairy okay our next big evolution of Tinkerbell is when Disney created the Disney Princess franchise she's originally in it in the year two thousand but. After they looked at the lineup, about a year later, they were like, you know what? Her and Esmeralda don't really fit the brand. Mm. So they remove Tinkerbell and they remove Esmeralda. Hmm. But Disney thinks 
what do we do with Tinkerbell if she is not a Disney princess? Yeah. Because she's like super well liked. So Tink gets her very own franchise. Her own own franchise. Not everybody, like I said, identifies with being a princess. Everybody identifies with Tinkerbell and her anger and messing up and just fun. So her franchise gets launched in 2005. And again, this is the one my daughters grew up with. It starts with just merchandise and it is flying off the shelves. And they're like, okay, we've got to do something more. So because it's hugely successful, it's ended in not only the show about Pixie Hollow, but six movies. There are six Tinkerbell movies that either go straight to DVD in the beginning and then straight to streaming now. And they are great. I am telling you, I love these movies. And I'll talk about uh, a couple of them um, just so you can get an idea what they're like. But they're really good. And then both Disneyland and Disney World, because the movies are going so well, they open up a pixie hollow in both of the parks so people can, like, meet and greet with Tinkerbell and her friends. Because now she's not the only fairy anymore. There's all these fairies. And they're set in Neverland. Mm -hmm. Um, She's got plots. She's got friends. She has a job. She's voiced by Mae Whitman, who said that quote about her earlier. Who's I all- love Mae Whitman. Yeah, and she's also the voice of Katara from Avatar Last Airbender. No. Yeah. I didn't know that. Also, Mae Whitman is like a very fantastic actress who's been acting since she was a child. Yes. She was in Friends when she was like a baby. Which one was she on Friends? She was the Girl Scout. Oh, yes. She I was the Girl her. Scout. And then she was on Arrested Development as <laughs> Anne, a.k.a. Egg. <laughs> I just, I love that she's voicing Katara, who's an alum of the show, and then also Tinkerbell. Mae Whitman is fantastic. She is. Just very good. And everyone who has ever talked about her is like, Mae's the best. She's just such a sweet person. She's a pro. She's so sweet. Like, the absolute greatest. You have to 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 voice Tinkerbell. Yeah, of course. (laughs) So, the films for Tinkerbell start as really an origin story which is great because like I said she's living in Pixie Hollow which is in Neverland before mm-hmm. Peter ever shows up okay so this is like life pre-Peter um it makes me assume that the Fae don't age which I think is like common in the lore so like Tinkerbell yeah. is just as old as she's sense. gonna get in the film we see Tink born um from a baby's first laugh and a white dandelion seed each fa- oh. I know. I know. <laughs> I'm dying about it. Each fairy has a magical talent and hers is found to be tinkering, which is like <laughs> the fairy structure of Pixie Hollow is like a very the cast system. Like mm-hmm. they give you a job and that's the one you have for the rest of your life. And she's kind of embarrassed because tinkering is like the blue collar fairies and she doesn't get to go bring in spring. She doesn't get to be an animal fairy. She's so sad about it. So she starts working with these other fairies and making friends to try to do something different um but then she like destroys spring and like spring is not gonna happen because of tinkerbell <gasps> she messed something up so then she has to actually like make an invention that's gonna fix the fact that spring is not coming which i love because this is like independent engineering like they're yeah, showing Tinker- she's an engineer yeah. they're showing tinkerbell being engineered to all these little girls and she's tinkering around and of course the tinkers all wear green like that's their uniform color um you get to see like her outfit start to come together there's like a lot of really fun to it 
Um, anyway, that's the first one. There's also Tinkerbell and the Lost Treasure, Tinkerbell and the Great Fairy Rescue, Pixie Hollow Games, Secrets of the Wings, which is a really good one. She has a twin sister who's a winter fairy, and she has to save her wings from, like, freezing <gasps> off. It's really grand. Um, Pixie Hollow Bake Off, which is just for fun, you know. Uh, Tinkerbell and the Legend of the Never Beast, and my personal favorite, the Pirate Fairy. Ooh. Where... Tinkerbell and her five besties who we love at this point they're all so fun go after a misguided rogue fairy named Zarina uh, and try to like bring her into the fold because she's a misunderstood pirate fairy and she's so hot I mean all the fairies are so cute but Tinkerbell's hot Mm -hmm. and then this pirate fairy super spicy and then we get to see Tinkerbell in pirate garb (gasps) which we've all been waiting for since (laughs) Captain Hook took her in the first place soon after (laughs) the franchise um is started like I said they open up Pixie Hollow but Tinkerbell had always been a walk around character Mm -hmm. she'd always been in the parks you can meet her everywhere as we enter the live-action Disney era, Disney wanted to bring Tink back to life. And how could they bring her to life if she was just a little light bouncing? So they start by being like, okay, we're going to make Peter Pan. Reese Witherspoon gets involved as part of like the production team. She originally, in 2015, is going to play Tinkerbell. Okay. The project gets kind of halted. 2020 comes around things get rough but when they finally get their lives back together peter pan and wendy with Ruth witherspoon as the produce one of the film producers they announce yara shahidi she's pretty yara shahidi to play tinkerbell who's a black woman Uh um she was like a young star who is like just kind of aged up a little bit Mm -hmm. she is beautiful she's so you should she's so cute she does not speak in the movie until the very end. Um, in the pictures you'll see of Yara Shahidi, if you guys are Googling it right now, she's kind of like the one on Wikipedia. She's really young. So I can imagine she's probably been a Disney star for a really long time. Yeah. But now, have, do I've you see pictures I've of her? I've definitely seen her before. Do you see pictures of her as Tinkerbell yet? No, not yet. Okay, put as Tinkerbell because it. she does a really cute job. She's got great facial expressions she does a really good arm folding and plopping down on the ground you know because she couldn't talk for the majority of the movie she's just like ringing her little bell around um neverland which is it's really sweet but at the end of the film once wendy kind of like becomes worthy of being the protagonist wendy can hear her speak so she gets one line at the end of the movie. But the whole that. time, I mean, she is Tinkerbell, and it's really, really cute. Yeah. Oh, she's so cute. Yeah. Everybody look up, if the baseball game's over, look <laughs> up some of the newest Tinkerbell. And then just watch Peter Pan and Wendy, because it's not one of the films that, like, Disney is trying to force people to pay for on Disney+. Plus. Yeah. It's just on there. Again, talking about Mae Whitman, what she said about Tinkerbell is, because now she's been Tinkerbell for over a decade you know kid or more than almost two decades Mm -hmm. if the first movies started coming out in like 2008 yeah so it's been a really long time she said kids like tink's energy and feistiness because it never comes from a malicious place it's always out of the goodness of her heart and i think that that is why we like her because you usually when people mess up it's not because they're bad people it's because they just messed up 
And because of all of our love for her, she's in literally everything. She's in all the Peter Pans. She's in Hook. She's in books. She is in Jake and the Neverland Pirates. She's one of the only characters from the original Peter Pan, like her and Hook and Smee from the original Peter Pan show. She's in Once Upon a Time. She's in video games. She's in golden books. Um, and then she got honored. Madame Tussaud Museum made their smallest wax work Aww. ever by making Tinkerbell. She stands five and a half inches tall. Tinkerbell was also one of only 15 characters of all time to get honored with a Hollywood star on the walk oh of fame oh my gosh there are 15 char- fictional characters on the walk of fame and she is one of them only five from disney and um this fictional female our first fictional female of the season i'm just really proud of her yeah she just she went from being a little teeny light to literally the spokesperson of one oh. of the largest franchises on earth when I feel like it also shows that like you can be kind of like a person with emotions and also go very far. Yeah. And I love that. Yeah. Mm. And that's Ting's story. I love it. I love her. <laughs> I also love, I just looked it up because I was like, who played her in Once Upon a Time? And just so you know, it's Cheyenne from Reba. <laughs> Reba McIntyre's You know daughter. we love Reba on here. <laughs> Reba. <Blazer. laughs> yeah, it's, um, so, I mean, she is just so iconically, like, she's an iconic female character yeah. and just well-loved. Oh. Her spunk, her attitude, she's a blast. She's the best. So now let's talk about these two women together in a little segment we like to call Just the Two of Us. Okay. So it's interesting with these two because they are both like the brand of the thing that they are representing. They're the spokeswomen. You are the host of the show. Yeah. They really are. And I love that. Um, like you don't have one without the other. You don't have Neverland without Tinkerbell and you don't have Wheel of Fortune without Vanna. And they also were supposed to be such sidekicks to these yes. men. Mm-hmm. It's like you are supposed to be Pat Sajak's sidekick. You were supposed to be Peter Pan's sidekick. But actually, they have eclipsed the fame of that yep. other person. Yeah. Oh, they absolutely have. Both of them. <laughs> I love it. Oh, it's just, it's so great. And I just, and I love that they've both done it while being on the total opposite side of the spectrum, like personality wise, mm. pink is ill-tempered. She's jealous. She wears her heart on her sleeve. Vanna is the girl next door who everybody can connect with because she's like purpose. Even though she's been through a lot, she purposefully presents herself as like kind of a blank slate. Right. So that everyone can connect with her. And it's funny because Vanna, as we learned in her story, has actually been through some terrible, terrible tragedies. Right. And Tinkerbell is like, Wendy's here and that's the worst thing that's ever fucking happened to me. <laughs> that's terrible. Yeah, but you know what's funny though? Um we've seen that they both aren't perfect, right? Yeah. Like mm-hmm. we've seen like and not that I think lingerie shoots are, are a bad <laughs> right. thing. Like who gives a shit what pictures you take of your own goddamn body? Yeah. But she felt that way and especially like those pictures went public during like Reagan's moral majority. So like people were vicious about stuff like that. And Tink like really fucks over Peter Pan in the, in the original movie Mm -hmm. slash play. And we just straight up forgave them. Everybody's like, we like you enough that that doesn't matter. And 
Tinkerbell tries to put in the claws because like he's like, I won't lay a finger. And she goes, or a hook. And he goes, or a hook. She's smart. She's smart. And Van is smart too. Mm-hmm. You know, I think they both see the bigger picture of things. Mm-hmm. You know, like I think they both can be kind of passed off as like dumb blondes. Oh, yeah. That's kind of what they are modeled against. You know, like that's yeah. what they're modeled as is like just like the blonde that should be silent and just there for looks. But really, they mean so much more. And I think people can connect with the parts of their stories that are like not as glamorous as the facade that they put on. Yeah, but even so, it's like we connect with them. But when I picture both of these women in my head, I see great legs and a cute dress. Yeah. You know? And mm-hmm. it's like, and I think that that's fine because yeah. it's also important to remember, like, I think second wave feminism kind of pushed away traditional beauty yeah. standards. And there are some traditional beauty standards that are detrimental yeah. to society and the male gaze, et cetera, et cetera. But I think they both fall into very traditional beauty standards. Yeah. Tinkerbell because she was drawn by a man in yeah. the 50s. And, um, you know, Vanna White, by her own accord, she's chosen the way she looks. Mm-hmm. But, man, do I picture immediately what they're wearing. They're yeah. always in a dress. You always have cute shoes. Mm-hmm. Your hair is always done just so. Mm-hmm. And I think that's fine. You can be powerful and be girly. Yeah. And I think both of them do that just so well Mm -hmm. and they're both just they're timeless I just think that they've been around for so long that it's just like they're synonymous with these big pieces of pop culture that everyone can relate to I've never seen the pixie hollow movies Mm -mm. I've only ever seen Peter Pan you know like the Disney film like and obviously like the stage version which she's just a thing of light like yeah (laughs) but there's just something very timeless and classic about these two people and I also like that sometimes you kind of connect with Tinkerbell and you're like you know what it is okay that I'm feeling jealous and it is okay because like there's someone else out there that like does feel these things and like people can accept them back you know so it's like sometimes you connect with Tinkerbell And then sometimes you need Vanna. Mm -hmm. You just need this person that is very stable. I think for a lot of people, Vanna White is probably the most stable person in their lives. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Think about that. She's been on television for 40 years. 40 years. That's longer than I've been alive. Yeah. It's like she has been there for people. And sometimes it's nice to have that comfort. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting that Tinkerbell as a character has changed as a fictional character has changed more than Vanna White has in the past couple decades. And I think also just because fictional characters like can come back. Yeah. So it's like Vanna's fiance did die in a plane crash. Mm-hmm. And we think that's what happens to Tink in the first. Yeah. The, the original play. Like mm-hmm. she is flying away with this bomb to yeah. save everyone. And we think she's dead. Mm-hmm. And you're supposed to. But. As a fictional character, I think you have a little bit more rights. There's yeah. more flexibility allowed to you. And Vanna, I mean, she just flowed with the punches and just really is a really consistent person. Yeah. Well, because I think she um, she really feels the responsibility of, like, people need me to be stable in their lives. People mm-hmm. need me to be here and smiling. And they need me to be okay. And I like that it was kind of on the part of the audience to be like, 
it's a we know that you're probably not okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to write you a letter to be like, I love you. I support you. I'm sorry that this happened. And, you know, I just think it's a, it's a level. It's almost like what we wish we could do with Tinkerbell. Be like, I know that Peter's being a dick right now. And I'm so sorry that that's happening to you. And I'm sorry that you're feeling totally abandoned. You know, mm-hmm. we wish we could connect with someone like Tinkerbell. Like we do, like, people feel like they do with Vanna because you know I think that she just embodies a lot of like the out of control emotions that we feel sometimes Mm. I don't know Peter and Pat (laughs) that's the next episode also they had walk of fame stars both of them yeah which I love and they had walk of fame stars as people who like traditionally would not have them yes fictional characters and game show host yeah that's insane yeah like so famous and that's why they have such like that it's such a concrete proof of the lasting power that they have yeah and i love they that. do it's so perfect oh all right are you ready to toast these women i am who would you like to toast so because of like what you just said and what we've been talking about i really want to toast people who grow and change yeah agreed cheers and you I'm going to toast the cheerleaders, people who cheer people on. I love that Vanna has, she could have gotten like, I feel like a couple different Guinness world records. She's been on TV for 40 fucking years. Yeah. But But nobody can beat Regis for anything. (laughs) But she got most frequent clapper. And I kind of love the positivity that's attached with that, which like she is so happy for other people that she is cheering them on so genuinely that it is noticed right and i love that so cheers to the cheerleaders cheers. (laughs) all right now what are you enjoying in pop culture this week so i just read this trilogy called the prison healer Mm. can be found on my audible fantastic it is true um young adult to early adult fiction in the sense that it is not smut i read a lot of smut but this is not smut um there's some cute kissing and love stories and whatnot, but this is the first time in a long time that I've read a some fantasy fiction that I was surprised by things. Mm. It is very, like, usually I can call it before it happens at this yeah. point because I'm so used to the structure. Yeah. So just The Prison Healer, if you're looking for a book, it's a set of three books. They're pretty easy reads. The reason I picked them up is because... Um, my favorite author <laughs> said that she liked them. Okay. She read them. Sarah read them and said that they were good. And I was like, okay, then probably they're good. She's a great writer. And yeah. they were, they were very good. I liked good. them. So right. it made me happy. Prison healer. Go find it. Good. Perfect. What about you? I am going to promote a movie called twins. Did I recommend this last week? I don't think I did. You told me about I it. I told you about it. Mm-hmm. Twins is a movie starring Danny DeVito and Arnold Schwarzenegger, and they play twins. And clearly they aren't, (laughs) but they are. It's like the plot of the movie is so crazy. Like they are genetically modified twins and they basically give like, (laughs) there's a little like, um, what do you call it? That geneticist thing that's like so fucked up. Oh, eugenics. Eugenics. There's a little eugenics kind of theme going on here. Yeah. But stick with me. Um, So it's basically like Arnold Schwarzenegger got all the good genes and Danny DeVito got all the bad genes. 
And the two of them together are so fantastic. I loved this movie so much. It's fun. It's light. It's sweet. It's just um, Arnold Schwarzenegger plays such an innocent baby of a character. It's hysterical. I just do you ever feel like when Danny DeVito is like reading that role, like, do you think he ever feels bad? Hmm. I think about that sometimes when people are cast in certain roles. I'm like, do, are you so comfortable or are you like, I am genetically. Or do you know? Are you going into Hollywood being like, I'm. Do this to me. I'm going to do I'm this. I'm playing Penguin. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, pang- I'm playing the Penguin. I'm playing Penguin. I'm playing a neglectful father. Yeah. I'm playing. <laughs> yeah. I just sometimes wonder that. Okay. Anyway, go ahead. Um, but yeah. And it's so great. And uh, I want to just also kudos to myself for picking out that the gas, the parking lot attendant was Horatio <laughs> Kane from CSI Miami. Perfect. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's just, it's a really fun movie. It's on one of the streaming services. Can't remember which one. But it's just like if you've been like kind of out of things to watch and you want a fun fun movie night, delight in twins. Twins. (laughs) I love that. All right. Well, thank you all for listening. Uh, You can find us everywhere. And if you want more of this, you can join us on Patreon. And if you wouldn't mind hopping over to Apple Podcasts and leaving us a rate and a review, we would really appreciate it (laughs) but mostly we want you to never forget that well-behaved women never get jealous no and they really make history goodbye